You're listening to A Certain Degree. My name is Nick Dragudiu. Welcome to episode 213. I'm so glad you're here. If this is your first time listening, this is a show that started back in 2016. It just turned five years old recently. I'm very proud of the interviews I've done in the past, and I'm changing things up a bit. The shows are going to be shorter, featuring more people, and I still hope fun and entertaining. You'll be the judge of that. Will you be the judge of that? Will you let me know? Thank you. Before we get to any of the guests on this episode, let's hear a song. I'm going to start off with a performer who goes by the name of Mark with a C. He's been on the show a few times, and if all goes well, he will be on the show in the future again and again and again. Here's a live version of his song, Happy to Be Alive. Thank you, everybody. My name is Mark with a C, and right now I'm just happy to be alive. When I went to bed, my wife said goodnight. Out. Some people sing the words back to me almost twice as loud And sometimes I'm embarrassed by my songwriting archive But right now I'm just happy to be alive Why? Cause I got all my fingers on my toes My body's full of H2O I'm getting old and some of my hair is falling out But I'm not saying that I'm perfect I got lots of room to grow I don't mean to sound holier than thou once I spent an unexpected night inside a jail And it was hard to spend that night not checking my email But I lit up a cigarette and I waved those cops goodbye And right then I was happy to be alive Five more times Right now I'm just happy to be alive Four more times Right now I'm just happy to be alive You can count Right now I'm just happy to be alive Right now I'm just happy to be alive. Just you, go! Right now I'm just happy to be alive. Thank you very much, I've been Mark with a C. You've been a fantastic audience, and we will meet again someday. Mark with a C, happy to be alive. That live version is from the collection, Maybe It'll Be Good, the best of Mark with a C. If you like his music, support him on Bandcamp and definitely check out his special, The Obscurity Show, on Amazon Prime. Mark with a C is an exceedingly funny guy, but certainly not a comedy act. As I put together the list of questions I was going to use for guests who are returning to the show, or maybe people who have never appeared before, one of the ones I knew I wanted to ask was about comedic influences. 
So I did. Robin Hoffman here in the studio, in the virtual studio. Return of To a Certain Degree. Thank you so much for being on. Thanks for having me. You are very funny. Agree or disagree? I agree. You're doing a whole visual bit, but it does not translate to audio. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> so you are you are a visual entertainer, though. I know you from being on your show, chat with me. You did bake with me. You're doing a lot of movies now, writing, directing, the whole nine, as they say in the business. Some business, I'm not sure. Maybe the movie business. But uh, going back to you being funny, I wanted to ask because I'm always interested in this. You have a million of them. What is one of your comedic influences? Who is one of your comedic influences? Are you allowed to say one? Uh, you can mention more than one, but you know when you see when you get that question, who's the first person that comes to mind? Carol Burnett. Oh, nice. Carol Burnett. I grew up obviously watching. Um, I wanted to be Carol Burnett. I loved the Carol Burnett Show, which made, you know led me to loving Vicki Lawrence. Um, just the physicality of Tim Conway, like all of that stuff. I just love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. That at that time. And I mean, even to, even now there's still a miss or a inequity in the representation of women to men. Um, my, you know, um, people of color to, uh, white people in comedy, but especially back then women to men. So seeing someone like yourself and seeing some sort of representation of yourself in Carol Burnett or something like even the reruns of I Love Lucy, that sort of thing. Yeah. Was that important to you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it almost allowed me to be, to, to show parts of who I am because yeah. I am so naturally that person to give me a set of wigs and I could go all day playing different characters and just the fact that they came out and did that. I just, Oh, I, I loved it. And it gave me permission almost to yeah. let out a side of me that probably would not have otherwise. Is there a specific bit or sketch or something you remember from that? I find myself when I'm thinking back about my, some of my favorite uh, comedy things, like I, I didn't necessarily quote entire like Monty Python sketches, but there was always one bit of dialogue that I will just say to myself, like it's a complete inside joke in my own head. Oh yeah. Which is your favorite color? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. I could do that too all day. Um, yeah. I mean, when I think of Vicki Lawrence, of course, from the show, I loved when she played mama and uh, just, you know, them with their accents. I, you know, it's just it's stuff I do around my house. <laughs> if yeah. somebody just put a camera in my house and just watched me all day, I'm sure it would be a comedy act just in and of itself. So are, is that permission to do that? Are you giving us permission to put oh, cameras in your houses? I withdraw permission from putting a camera in my house. <laughs> Make sure that house. you say that every time you say stuff like, you should put a camera in my house. Uh, so the other part of that I'm wondering about is, have you ever tried rewatching that? Because, you know, I always got it in my head that obviously if it's funny to me, it's going to be funny to others and I should share this. And uh, many times it works out. Sometimes I'm sorely disappointed. It's, but in the revisit, I sometimes realize, oh, this was funny to 10-year-old or 15-year-old or 20-year-old Nick. 
not so much to Nick now. No, that's so funny that you asked that because I'm, I just went through a situation with this, but really quick, I'll answer your question and then I'll just keep talking because that's of what course. I, um, but I have gone back and watched some of the episodes from the Carol Burnett show. It still absolutely cracks me up. But recently on Hulu, they're airing the show Just Shoot Me. Mm-hmm. And I remembered it being so funny that I told my son, my 15-year-old, I said, you got to watch this with me. Let's binge a few episodes. And I was so <laughs> struck by it. I was like, oh, this is really sexist. Oh, that's a little bit racist. Oh, that's not. Oh, <laughs> I kept saying, oh, no, that's not OK. Like, this is not OK. And I, th- I thought it was so funny back in the, what, 90s, late 90s? Yeah thousands um but now i was like oh that that doesn't age well (laughs) that's not good yeah there's a lot of and and you would think it would be like oh the 70s stuff doesn't age well the 80s stuff maybe is on the cusp but certainly the 90s that was just a couple years ago that that probably aged well and no it did not no it didn't (laughs) yeah not at all it's always funny to me when they're trying to establish a uh, like a jerky character and they really just uh, everything they do is so horrifying now it's, versus then where it was just a little bit jerky right <laughs> now we know better yeah find out more about robin hoffman at hoffy's heart productions.com who are your comedic influences who made you want to come up with a gag or a joke or a sketch that would have people cry laughing. I have to say Carol Burnett was one of those people for me as well. One of the advantages to doing a show like this for five years is that I can go back to a guest like Robin and just be in a groove immediately because we've already spoken. We've had this crazy shared experience of talking for two hours early in the morning on live radio. That was the original format of this show to a certain degree. And a two-hour interview seems like a lot. It just sounds like a ton of talking, but it always went by so quickly. And I would take that show and I would turn it into a podcast. You can find over 200 episodes at toacertaindegree.com or wherever you get podcasts. If you would like to listen to some of those, including the one with Robin Hoffman. You can also listen to an episode with Jeff, Katrina, and Gibran of Expert Timing, a wonderful band that I love very much. We'll play some of their music a little bit later, but first, Gibran, who serves as the drummer of Expert Timing, also released his first EP as The Give and Take. From that EP, The Great Pause, this is Blood and Influenza. If I try 
I've said it before, I'll say it again, musicians are magic. I don't play any instruments, but I appreciate all the time and energy and raw animal magnetism that goes into producing a song like that. If you would like to hear more of Gabron and the Give and Take, visit his band camp site and follow him on all the social media to see what he's doing next. I'll also have all the links to the music and the people on today's episode at toacertaindegree.com. Just look for episode 213. 213. When it comes to writing, whether it's music or fiction or nonfiction or jingles or the nutritional information on the back of some sort of food stuff, there are a few things about the creative process that I'm curious about. Where the inspiration came from. What was editing and rewriting like? And how did you get into the character's head? The band O2 featuring Faust and Bison was one of my last live guests in the studio back in 2020 before the pandemic. And I had a ton of questions for them left over from that show. If you're not familiar, Faust is the MC and Bison is the producer of O2. But even he, as the producer has to get into a different mindset sometimes from like a, from like a production end I've, I've done that quite a lot like we'll deliberately sort of make a decision on like which direction we're going to take and it may be something that would i would never naturally sort of do um and what's cool about that is that it, it one it, it really pushes me to kind of like really try to do something else so like i'll tell myself like oh we're gonna make a beat that sounds sort of like this person or sort of like this producer or sort of like this style that we've never done before. Um, and it's kind of fun to sort of really pick apart our reference material, take a look at it and figure out, okay, well, what clicks here? Like why, when we say, oh, let's make a beat that sounds like a Timbaland beat. Well, what does that even mean? You know, like what are we going to dive into and tear apart? That's really going to, uh, that we can pull into whatever we're making today. So yeah. Our, our older, our last couple albums before t- probably before 2020 really was we had these unspoken moments where it'd be me and bison looking at each other and it's like we're making this crunk ass song and it's <laughs> yeah. just like the 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 beat is as much about that like cop in a feel like i mean every death metal guy has most certainly not decapitated people some of them probably have but not every single one of them who has written material about decapitating has decapitated people so like there back in the day we would write a few songs that were just crunk influenced by memphis three six mafia little ugly man all those people and we would just put the hardest song together ever and be like all right cool we're done let's make a dance song (laughs) (laughs) and what's funny so you mentioned that and what's what's cool about sort of writing as another person or like really trying to do something that's totally different um than your normal sort of thing is it when you work in a group aspect it sort of works both ways like he'll come in and say like i'm gonna rap like this or i'm gonna do this instead and it forces me to sort of react to that so sometimes it works both ways where i'll make a beat where i'm like deliberately doing something that like he's never heard and then i show it to him and it forces him to adapt or do something different without even knowing it because he has Mm -hmm. no idea what influence i pulled from you know i could have been listening to something out of genre or something totally different that i tried to emulate yeah and so he comes into the studio and his thing is like well he might come in with a certain expectation of how he's going to rap, but just because I decided to do something different, 
he's going to do something different than he expected and it's vice versa like he'll send me something and be like i want to do something like this and it's it's a song i never heard before like i remember the first time you showed me nolan b rolling that was an <laughs> artist where we both like we both listened to him and we were like like nothing like we've ever done before nothing like he's done nothing that i've done um so it was kind of fun to try and emulate that in a, in a way this sort of weird abstract cloud rap kind of stuff that we've never really done and it's forced me to do something different forced him to do something different so like bringing up those sort of obscure out there kind of references and, and artists to pull influence from is like super valuable to what we do. And that's kind of all we do, <laughs> to be honest, is like we pick an artist and then we're like, what if we did that, but completely different than how they do it? And yeah. that, that's like our creative process, at least recently for the last couple projects. Moreover, I like to pick artists who are completely doing something in an opposite genre. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like yeah, you texted me, you texted me like three days ago. You're like, you want to do this Interpol song? Yeah. And I was like, yes. I, <laughs> Lately, I've never even heard it. I'm like, yes, yeah. let's do it. For Absolutely. the last like year, all we've been doing is, at least as a, from my writing perspective, is I've been like, I want to make like this genre that's completely opposite from what we've been doing. Like, I'm gonna try and make a rap song from Paul Banks's perspective. I'm gonna try and make a rap song from like. I don't know, Bauhaus, Joy Division, The Cure, whatever. And, like, we get into the studio, and it's sick because, like, we have, like like you were saying, you you pick up, you assume this, okay, we're going to make this different perspective than what I'm used to. And so between me and Bison, we always come at each other with random perspectives. It's, <laughs> and it's, it's awesome. It's like, I'll make the beat, and then he'll be like, okay, this is what I'm thinking, and we'll listen to, like, three songs. And then... We'll say, okay, and then we'll move to the next part. And then I'm like, oh, I have this idea, and I'll pull up. Like, there were times when we were working on the last project where we knew that repetition is something that's really powerful when it's done right. So, like, we're hanging out, and all of a sudden we're just sitting there listening to Panda Bear songs, like eight-minute songs, like okay, well, well, he's saying the same thing over and over again for eight minutes. How does this work? <laughs> you know, like, why is this not annoying? Why is this not boring? And, yeah. and so it's like pulling from these really weird influences. And we'll go back and forth. Like, I'll send, I'll show him that song. And then we'll be like, hey, here's this other thing. Like, uh, what was the, uh, was it Salem that you were showing mm. me the other day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. And, and we, okay, so we were in the car. Good example, right? We're in the car. I picked him up to work on stuff. And we were going back and forth and we're showing each other music. And so he's showing me like Salem and we're listening to some Nolan B. Rowland. And I'm like, okay, here's this square pusher song I heard. Yeah. It's like totally. Drum and bass, end. some drum like, and bass, like jazzy stuff. Yeah. yeah, and like we're listening to like garage music. We were just listening like, to Weather Report. Yeah, yeah, we, that's what we, uh, that's <laughs> yeah. What we were. Listening to. Weather Report, Stevie Wonder. Yeah, and <laughs> we were, and, and and then um, but then we got back to the studio, and then this track we made sounded like nothing we listened to yeah. in the car. But but it was the conversations we were having, like really yeah. built that up to something that we would never, neither of us expected. That track's not out yet. That's just sitting. I think this is not for nothing. We're kind of at this age now where it's just like uh, when we were younger is emulation, and then now we're kind of at this this point where it's just like we we discuss what we want to make yeah and we pull influences from all over but we're just like doubling down on what we feel comfortable and what we have fun doing yeah so it feels like yeah you're not emulating anymore you're deconstructing right you you need a and i wonder if this is because there's two of you and you're Mm -hmm. writing right you're writing together you need you need context you need a reference point yeah so you guys can start that that's really that's really really cool because I've never I never put that together. Yeah, but that is definitely it because like there's times where I have this idea in my head and I and I can't 
I'm not really good with describing it with words sometimes. Right. And it's a lot easier to say like, Joe, listen to this. And like, this is what I mean. Like, yeah. I, oh, I sent him um, another perfect example. We've been doing this now. So that was a great yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, I sent him Blade's new album of all projects. And Blade, I don't know if you're too, you're too familiar with him. He's kind of whiny. He's from Sweden. He's been around for a while. He's in the whole sad boys, like young lean kind of crew. Um, and his music sort of actually been getting better and better each year. But he recently put out a project like two weeks ago called The Fool. And every single song on there, he somehow goes two minutes saying absolutely nothing, doing two refrains over a beat that sounds similar to every other track. Yet every single song is engaging in a different way. And every single song keeps my attention and I never feel bored. And so I sent it to him. I'm like, I have no idea how he does this. But think about the way that he is like structuring these songs where your attention's being grabbed, even though he's not saying much. and He's repeating the same things over and over again. And, and so I sent it to him, even though Blade's music sounds absolutely nothing like what we do um just being recognizing exactly what makes it click yeah and then trying to apply it to our own and with him it's the structure and that's what we tried to really emulate in some of our more recent tracks is like how do we organize our hooks where it's really catchy and engaging from start to finish you know kind of lose interest halfway what he's saying is we we got really good at selling out we're gonna make pop now yeah, basically. Uh, we're just thank goodness. Make pop. Yeah, I've yeah, been waiting for this. I've been subtly, I think, trying to push that agenda <laughs> yeah. every time we talk oh, or yeah. every time you guys are on the show. Oh yeah, it's just let me get these guys. If I can just get O2 to be a pop band, <laughs> and, and you know that would be great. I feel like everyone's been doing that. <laughs> that, that has been <laughs> and, uh, like no, I'm not even joking. That has been our trajectory since we started. Yeah, like thanks. when we when we started making tracks, we didn't realize it. we were trying to make like like really like big brain like jazz rap stuff. And then like you go back and listen to like our older older stuff, and you're like, these are just catchy hooks and verses. We've been doing yeah. the same thing forever. And first time I ever took a narco. That first, that first Norco, that first pill, I told myself, wow, I love this shit, and I'm addicted. I swear to God, to you, the first time I felt that, when it kicked in, I felt that high. I said, this is and I high like no other. And ever since then, man, I've been chasing that high. I'm loving this, and you loathe 
That was O2, a single they just released called Whole Pack. Check out O2 and Bison and Faust whenever you get a chance. That was a haunting song, and I'm not great with ghosts. For example, how do you even tell if they're around? You don't know this, like, about ghosts? Like, when they when they come into a room... It gets cold. It gets really cold. Yeah, like, it's in all the spooky movies. I've seen the movies. Yeah, but, like, my mom, she watches, like, these ghost adventures or uh, ghost hunter shows. Okay. And what, <laughs> is there a difference between the two? Yes. Because ghost adventure sounds like either ghosts going on an adventure or <laughs> people going on an adventure with a ghost. Okay, so ghost ghost hunters is, like... There's this group of paranormal investigators, sure. and they have all this high tech equipment. Yep, and totally they, works. And they, <laughs> and these people um, employ them to find out if their place is haunted or not. And they'll go in, and it'll be like, "Well, we're gonna try to debunk this and see if there's actually ghosts here." And um, they will use all of the fancy equipment and set up all of their infrared cameras and temperature things and if there's a drop in temperature like that's a signal that there's an energy difference and there might be a ghost there something going on or um, a tornado so it's very like i don't want to say clinical because it's still absurd <laughs> but it's more clinical than there's ghost a science ghost, and art to it ghost adventures yeah. in ghost adventures okay yeah um so that was Ghost Hunters. Ghost Adventures. Ghost Hunters Science. It's clinical. It's hygienic, <laughs> as far as I can tell. A lot. I mean, very hygienic. They yeah. are not doing anything weird with the ghost. <laughs> wow. With the okay. ghost. Yep. Anyway. Um, <laughs> like to know what your definition of something weird with a ghost is. <laughs> um, but in Ghost Adventures, uh, it's this very broy guy who wears probably like lots of Ed Hardy t-shirts. Oh, yeah. And he's like, "Ghosts, come out and fight me." Like, I don't know, like he's he's very antagonistic towards these quote-unquote ghosts, and he's always trying to like provoke them to into a confrontation. Re- what? <laughs> That just sounds like a recipe for disaster. Um, and so it's the the this broy guy, his name is um, Zach. Zach. Of course, Bagans. Zach. Yeah, <laughs> of course, his name is Zach. And he decided to set up this like museum of oddities or something um, in Las Vegas <laughs> because that's where you go when you want to set up a yeah. museum. Yep. Obviously. It's very legitimate. Yep. Wax Museum, Oddity Museum, Car Museum. Smithsonian. Smithsonian. <laughs> also, <laughs> Smithsonian has a branch there. <laughs> Little known fact, the yeah. Smithsonian has a branch in Las Vegas. Um, no, they don't. Don't look it up. It's incorrect. Doesn't also, exist. you might be driving right now, so please don't look anything up. Don't look anything up. Don't look at your phone. Take it out of your hand. Um, but <laughs> throw it out the window. No, you're listening to this. Never mind. <laughs> throw it in the back seat. Throw it in the back seat, but keep it on so you can listen. But don't look anything up. Uh, so at this museum that this bro guy Zach Bagans uh, set up, uh, one of the things that he has in there that he somehow acquired—I don't know how he acquired it—but um, are you familiar with Robert the doll? 
No. I'm trying to think if I am. You're not. I'm not. Is oh. it a haunted doll? It's a haunted doll. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there was, and it's a Florida thing. Oh. Yeah. So uh, Robert Eugene Otto was this, um, I guess he was a well-known painter. He's mostly known for this weird haunted doll from his childhood. Great. <laughs> I don't know much about his art, but... Um, but I know a lot about his doll. I know a lot about his doll. So Great. he had a Haitian nanny growing up who made him this doll. And um, apparently when he was, when he would get in trouble, he would be like, um, but it was Robert. <laughs> and like, <laughs> his parents were like, stop playing stuff on your doll. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so people kind of chalked it up to him being um, a kid who wants to blame stuff on other people or inanimate objects. But um, when he got married, he brought the doll with him <laughs> oh and his wife was really creeped out by it and told him that he needed to put it in the attic okay and so they did and like there was weird stuff that happened and eventually like both of them passed away and the doll was just like sitting up there in the attic moving Ooh. around every time you blinked <laughs> well like kids would say that they would see like somebody in the attic like moving around in front of the window yeah <laughs> the most reliable source of information yeah no the children kid, kids they they don't make up anything ever yeah. they are always a very good source of information for everything <laughs> okay so this the bro dude got his hands on this haunted doll and it's in the museum now yeah that's one of the oddities yeah, and it's if uh, this is a very short version of the Robert the Doll story. Like oh, there, yeah. there's a lot of information on it, and there's a lot of creepy things about it. Like it was something that I wanted to see in person, um, and it used to be in a museum in Key West because that's where Robert Eugene Otto grew up. Mm. And so I was like, oh, that would be really cool to like visit the museum, visit this creepy doll, and and then he got moved to Brotown. So I'm just like. Uh, I don't really want to go to Las Vegas. Just to see a doll. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe a doll and a Cirque show. Yeah, maybe like a magic a magic show. That yeah. would be good. <laughs> would it also be a haunted magic show? A haunted magic, yeah. Magic. <laughs> I want to see the magic. <laughs> I want to see that haunted magic. <sighs> well, anyways, what did you want to talk about? <laughs> That was Kat Whitaker, one of the brilliant minds behind Uncomfortable Brunch. If you would like to know more about that cinematic event, it takes place at the Enzian. Go to enzian.org and look for Uncomfortable Brunch. They have an event coming up in July, as a matter of fact. Now, my intention was not to discuss haunted dolls. I honestly don't know how we got on that topic. We were recording at night at the Heavy, which is located in the old Lombardi's building. So that's a little spooky. Maybe that's how we got there. That's the thing about sitting down for an interview with someone. Even if you have the questions mapped out, you've sent it to them ahead of time, leave some room for the tangents and the flights of fancy and the random things that are going to be affected by what's going on right then in front of you. Be present. That's pretty much it for this episode. 
future episodes will have a little less music and a little more talking. In fact, 214 and 215 were pretty much already put together. You can hear them on the radio at 7 and 8 a.m. on Monday morning on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, the best in basement radio and the voice of Rollins College. Then I'll drop them on Monday and Thursday as podcasts. One of the topics I talk about with my guests, with my amazing guests, I should say, is getting back in touch with people that you haven't talked to in a while. Good advice for anyone. The other episode, we're going to have a few things, including some excellent, excellent insight about podcasting from Chris Crespediso. Tune in, subscribe, tell your friends, follow the show on social media. I appreciate you. Not because that you're going to tune in, subscribe, tell your friends, or follow the show on social media, just because you're you. Let's end the show with a couple of songs, live songs, one from Expert Timing, who I hope to have on the show again soon, from their new EP Live in Stereo. We're going to hear Never See Me Again. And then Cat Ridgeway was live in the WPRK studios on my show, and she performed her song Aspen. And so that's a live version of that that you can only hear right here. You only hear right here. Who, who, who talks like that? You've been listening to a certain degree. Have a great day.
check one, two. Hey, oh, cool. So I'm gonna play you guys a song called Aspen. Um, I think it's about three years old now, and it's gone through a, a couple of variations before we landed on the recorded version. So here you go. the train somewhere in Aspen mm, Jumped on out, miles left to go You could call it reckless abandon But I'm done only enjoying Earth through windows Somewhere in Aspen Dirtied my feet skin my knees I've been walking around with my thumb out hoping someone would pick me up no idea where I'll go now but I'm glad because trains don't want to be enough somewhere in Aspen dirtied my feet